The global supply chain is strained. One essential transportation network continues to keep the economy connected 24-7. That network is freight rail. We're increasing hiring and capacity, all while investing more than $20 billion per year into our network to improve reliability every day. We never stop working to better serve our customers because freight rail works. When the global supply chain is strained, one essential transportation network continues to keep the economy connected 24-7. That network is freight rail. We're increasing hiring and capacity, all while investing more than $20 billion per year into our network to improve reliability every day. We never stop working to better serve our customers because freight rail works. Hello, listeners. I'm sorry it's been a while, but uh, let me stop this music. This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from you know where, Florida Keys. How you been? It's been pretty good here. We had a nice tropical, I guess, depression. Not not exactly a tropical storm. I think they were calling it a tropical storm, but we had about. Here in Key Largo, over the course of two days, maybe about 10 inches of rain. And most of that rain came within a couple hours during the night. And it was Saturday. And this time of year, we're dependent primarily during the the rest of the year. We get a lot of, especially the busy season, we get a lot of the people that come in from all over, and we get a reduced amount coming from Miami, or the same amount coming from Miami. But when there's a storm coming in the Keys and there's no boating or waterside, a water activity going on, then the people that come down for the weekend find other things to do, right? So um, we, we had a... What's it? Our Friday night was very busy. It started out, we got a little storm on Friday. Saturday wasn't, I think Saturday cleared up. So Friday we got most of the rain. And being on an island, and not, not a volcanic island, we had uh, most of the water, when it, we get a, a lot of rain, heavy rainfall, goes into the bay, and it's not very wide. The keys aren't, you know, a lot of places are much less than a mile wide. And the water just runs off into the ocean or the bay or into canals. But low-lying areas where there's depressions and swales or whatever you want to call it, we get some decent flooding. And you got to be careful where you park when it comes to that, especially people with cars, you know, have low undercarriage, low clearance. And uh, we, we dealt with that. We had tons of rain. People, uh, I mean, it, you know how torrents of rain, it just comes down, it's like a sheet. And we need it. We really need it. But I don't know if we needed like 10 inches of rain. We're already here. We have pretty much close to our annual rainfall. 
it's not so hot down here because we don't get the we we have a coral rock underneath us. We don't have a lot of groundwater or subground water. But it was good for the mainland that we get most of our water from the mainland. It always kind of amazes me that we get the way weather patterns are, how like the western part of a, uh, the United States and the southwest, they're in a serious drought. And if you look at one of these global maps that show moisture, you see a nice trail of about 500 miles wide of moisture zipping down through Central America, Southern Mexico, coming over to Gulf and making its way through Southern Florida and on out. And it's a whole ribbon of that stuff. And it fluctuates up and down depending on where you are. And we're in that pattern. We're in our monsoon season, I guess. And it's really nice. It would be nice if those areas in the country got a little... It would be nice if they evened out. Right? If water... Water was evened out in the world. Where the higher population center got a decent amount of rain. They never have to worry about it. Like in Southern... Where they're rationing. And we've had... I've been here when I first came down here in 2007, 2008. We had some pretty severe droughts. And... Since we don't, uh, the old days in the Keys, people used to have cisterns under their houses, up, you know, big tank cisterns where they get all their water and they bank it up, right? As a matter of fact, one of the uh, Waldorf properties down in Key West that has right underneath it is a big uh, cistern, but right now it's full of, they don't, I don't know if they use it at all for their fish, I mean for the fish, for their uh, drinking water anymore, but they do have, uh, if you go up there, they do have like koi fish underneath it. And I guess that's a good thing to have if you have a cistern that's open. So you have those fish to eat the mosquito larvae. So you don't have a, you know, you don't have stagnant water on like that. But yes, we had serious rain. It affected our business on Saturday. Uh, we had a full house on Friday because the locals had nothing else to do. And a lot of places closed down on Friday because of the heavy downpour. All the places that had open venues, outside venues, where uh, bands would play. So we dealt with that. It was fun. We had uh, a good time. We had a little... We have any, we had live entertainment that night. We had also we had it Saturday, with much less people on Saturday because Saturday night was nice. And one of the nice things yesterday, the wife and I had an opportunity on Sunday and Monday. I think we went to see sunset. It was a beautiful day. Um, no Sunday and Monday. Uh, Saturday. Uh, today's Monday, but Sunday it was it was very nice. So we went to the Bayside. And living on the, the narrow island that we live in, you know, if we get up early enough, we can go to the east side of the island and we can see the sunrise. And around 10 after 8 this time of year, we go on the Bayside and we watch the sunset. And we do that from uh, the government building down here. It's, uh, they have a nice little park behind it 
and we went there and we saw a beautiful sunset. It's one of the perks of living here, being able to see both of them during a uh, day. But uh, also a nice thing, you can see the water, how high the water is. There's so much fresh water that's feeding into, because it poured on the mainland, feeding in from the Everglades into Florida Bay that it's kind of raised the water level temporarily and you see a lot of jetsam floating on the top and also with the rain comes a big uptick of those pests that come out at night mosquitoes and no right at sunset uh, but when there's a lot of mosquitoes and things like that you see a lot of activities of those feeder fish the ones that eat uh, the insects and we had a uh, a really nice view. You can see the schools of these tiny, we call them bait fish. I don't know exactly what kind of fish it is, but they must, they were being herded by a tarpon. And the reason we know this, that every so often you'd be, we're in a bay and the bay's very calm yesterday. And you can see the surface of water and you see the surface of water kind of stirring gently. And that's the tarpon kind of uh, rust, you know, herding that the fish and to go and go in there and eat it and every so often the fish you see the fish jump out and the tarpon's following it you know a two foot long two and a half foot long tarpon coming out of the water chasing them happening two or three times it's really a sight to see and and a lot of times as i said in previous episodes we don't take a lot uh, enough time to really enjoy the natural beauty around us but we did yesterday and uh, last week. So, I, th- I did mention before that this next couple of weeks, the wife is going through radiation therapy to finish up. Uh, she had a lump removed from her breast. I checked with the wife. I checked with Abby. She said it was all right to talk about it. And in order to get the radiation therapy... We have to go to the mainland and we go about approximately 50 miles north, 50 miles north off the, uh, off the rock. And that's, we're going up there for 16 visits. We went there for other doctor's visits and stuff like that, but we do it early in the morning. So we're up at 6, 6 a.m. And uh, we're on the road normally at 6 Six thirty. It's not too bad. It takes us about a little over an hour. But you can see as you're going up, when you're leaving Key Largo, there's the highway, and I mentioned many times it's called Overseas Highway. The stretch it connects the mainland to Key Largo. Goes through uh, this. Uh, I don't know if it's technically the Everglades, but it's marshy marshland that's in between. The um, that's in between the mainland and the Keys and it's about a 17-18 mile road that connects that's our umbilical cord to the mainland and as we're going up north you know it's right when the sun, it's around sunrise and you can see all the people coming in just heavy traffic coming in. And it's a 
mainly it's at that time in the morning, it's workers. People, some people returning from work, some tourists getting trying to get a jump start on things, but mainly it's it's the things that we need to keep us keep the keys going and workers. And if that isn't a illustration on how unaffordable the keys have become. That is, I've never seen traffic that heavy coming in so early at 6.30 in the morning. Just backed up, going over the bridge. And most of that is for the upper keys because I can't imagine too many people working in the lower keys. There, I'm sure there's other ones. There's there's construction, you know, construction workers and uh, food delivery, all different types of delivery trucks heading south that are going, making the trip of a little over a hundred and nine miles. When they once they get off the bridge, in a hundred, hundred eight miles, once they get off the bridge into Key Largo proper, it's about a hundred eight miles south to the to the end of the Keys and all those. All those deliveries have to made. All those people that are going in. I just, the, the, I won't bore you with the details about the rents going up. But Florida and Miami and the Keys are one of those states that are seeing one of the greatest increases in that. And if you wanted to really, you could check by just googling, you know, apartments in the Florida Keys, and you can get. I mean, the only thing dearer. And cost for the same size probably would be Manhattan or San Francisco here in uh, the United States. But efficiencies down in Key West are going for like $2,200, $2,300. I mean, little campers, people live in campers here, and they rent for $2,000 a month which works out to be the lowest price rental property you can get. is about $24,000 a year. And depending on what you do, I mean, $24,000 a year after, if, if you're fortunate enough, let's say you make $15 an hour and work uh, 40 hours a week, that works out to 40 times that, 600, 3,000 bucks. $20 an hour, that's 800 bucks a week, about 40000 So you have to make a significant amount, probably around 25 to $30 an hour, about to, to really make a go of it down here. Or be able to divide that. And, I mean, divide that cost of living, that housing. Uh, but when people think and they talk about, well, people don't want to work. Well, no, people don't want to move down here first. People want, I mean, you come down here and you say you're you're looking at for decent housing, 30000 and up a, a, a year in rental. And forget about buying a home because you got houses going on nice, nice granted nice houses but 
on dry lots, dry lots are no access to water, meaning they're not on the water, going for a million dollars. And people wonder why there's so many people heading south on the overseas highway to get down here. Eventually, they're going to have to either do a thing where they're launching people in rockets to get down to or flying them into Key West in order to get workers or be able to get affordable housing. And affordable housing down here, when they build it, the the affordable housing goes for, I think, currently around $2,300. Yeah, let that sink in. Affordable housing is $2,300 a month, which works out to be, what is it, twenty-four, uh, about $2,800 a year, $28,000 a year. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything. And it, the interesting thing, we're, we're, we're building it from the, we're building houses that the workers can't afford. So you're getting more people building houses and some of these houses that if you were to build that in a similar type house, like a two, one and a half down here, it's what, $520,000 would be $200,000 in other places. But then you get people that are, that, that's going to be their vacation home. You got more vacationers coming in. You got more people moving down here, deciding to retire down here. Yeah, they have the income and things like that, but where are they going to get the people, the service providers? There's people that they, they're, it's, it's crazy. And I guess that would be, with the price of rent going up, it's, it's, it's as if they're trying to adjust the wage to bring it up. If it, like a scale, bring the wage up to draw the people in here. But as the wages go up, so do the rents. So it's eaten up by that insidious growth of cost of living. I mean, everyone else, obviously everyone in the rest of the country has to deal with the price of uh, rent, real estate prices, insurance, gas, uh, inflationary uh, pressures on food. You see their food bills going up. And it takes a long time, a really long time for people to decide, well, maybe we need to drop the price. That's what's happening right now with the hotel rooms again. We did a cursory check on the hotel rooms in Key West, and for some reason, Key West is dropping faster than... Key Largo and Amarada, we're still getting a lot of hotels in the upper 200s that should be only in the 150. And in Key West, we're seeing prices, I'm seeing, well, we saw prices today uh, for luxury hotels around $300, which is pretty good. If you're calling the mid, right after opening COVID and, and here in the Keys, there were places that normally wouldn't charge more than $150 a night, charging $450, $500 a night. Places without room service, $500 a night. You figure you'd have like a mini bar, maybe a little heart-shaped tub, 
something going on there. Yeah, but $500 a night gets you maybe, if you're lucky, coffee and a continental breakfast, which is kind of like maybe a toaster with some bagels sitting off this side. Forget about the cream cheese because there was a cream cheese shortage. So we saw that going up there. So we're driving up to Miami. And like I said, going north is not as much a problem as going south here. But once you get in Miami, we do deal with the traffic. It takes another 10, 15 extra minutes to get there. But it's still not that bad going there so, so early. And I have to say, the hospital that uh, Abby's going to, Baptist, and I, I may be a little slanted in it, but I work I work for Baptist as a uh, fitness instructor down here in the Keys that they they have the nicest facilities at the Cancer Institute on the ground floor they got a grand piano right inside the main front entrance and every so often they'll bring uh, a piano player or a violinist or someone playing you know some kind of musical instrument and they'll play for um, in the middle of the day and the people are so friendly and professional and uh, as I said, Abby's going to uh, radiation therapy. And the radiation therapy is... Um, I'm trying to think. It takes about 15 minutes. She goes in there uh, while she's actually sitting in there. It's less than 10 minutes, but she's in and out. So we get up there. She has an 8 o'clock appointment, and she's out at 8.15. And we're pretty much back into, uh, we can be back in Key Largo by 9.30. Leave here at 6.30, be back at 9.30. That's pretty quick turnaround, uh, three hour. And that's, bit, you know, that that's uh, a tough haul for anybody having to drive every day for 16 days. But my, my girl's really a trooper. So I go with her and uh, we're gonna be, I'll be splitting the duties with my daughter will be helping out later on this week going once or twice a week when I have to work but while there I'm telling you it's like it's it's sad that people don't like hospitals and things like that but it seems like hospitals are getting to the thing where they're going to try to make their place seem less like a hospital other than the sick people obviously there's sick people in there but with the music the way they designed the furniture, the open architecture to the, the waiting areas, the open floor plan, um, the nice cafeteria, the, the customer service. They have people that come out and they offer you because they keep the temperature real low in, in the hospitals, cold, and they'll offer warm blankets if you want one. I mean, it's really nice. But one of the things that I noticed when I was sitting there, it's about five minutes after, I heard this bell ring. And I'm sure this is done other places. I'm sure it's not the only one. It sounded like it. And I knew immediately when you hear a bell ring, it's, it's I mean, it's Pavlovian responses. Something, someone's going to say something or something, something happened. You hear a bell ring. Or it's dinner time. I didn't, I didn't start salivating, but much like Pavlov's dog. No, I didn't, but I, 
I took note. Then I heard people clapping. And I thought, oh, this must have to do with someone, you know, accomplishing some notable thing. And I'm thinking it's, they must be done or cancer free or something like that. So I stand up and clap and there's maybe about nine people outside of radiology. They're clapping and um, they're t- and then the nurses come out, and the, the radiologist, and, and they take pictures of the patient. I thought that was a really, really nice thing to do at the end of it. And to alleviate, because already when you're going in for these, the radiation therapy or chemo, you're, you're going to feel a little, what would you call it? Um, anxiety and anything that could break that anxiety that'd be great and I just said they said and my wife told me that they had these bells in other places I'm sure they have it in, in the chemo area and other places in the hospital so hats off they're doing a great job and the customer service is excellent so many people are nice uh, friendly welcoming helpful not not that hospitals aren't that way but this seems to be like a concerted effort by the hospital to be proactive in customer service some other places they try to do that uh, reactive one like this is how you handle a problem person this is how but they said listen if we're actively to make sure that you say hello to the people when you see them as much as much you can you're creating an environment where people say these aren't just caregivers or, or or medical staff. They're people and they're greeting you that day and they're they're glad to see you and they're you know taking note that you're there and acknowledging you. Which is a big thing in the medical world. But to move on to major weightier subjects, this is going to hand hand a decision. Um on the way home uh, the wife and I were having a discussion and she she's a lot more religious than I am. I have to say both she and I were raised in the Roman Catholic tradition. And a lot of people asked this question because with some of the horrible things that happen around the world every day, every day, you know, mass shootings, war, pestilence, famine, cancer. How could God do this? Why does God let this happen? You know, it's a hard circle to square for some people. You know, it's supposed to, you're taught that God's all-powerful, all-knowing, especially us raised in the Catholic tradition. And we are tasked with leading a good life and petitioning for, you know, rewards or, or safety or healing. All these things that would be, like, really nice if we just had that. Be nice if, you know, there was no war or no famine, or no 
children had cancer or no mass shootings or innocent people. And you say, well, how could that all-loving, all-knowing God allow this to happen? And why would we have to ask for relief from these things that are occurring? Why isn't it just a paradise? And then some people come in, well, there's free will. There's free will and God, you know, allows you to do these things. And, you know, so people act, some people act poorly. So you have people that shoot and all that stuff. What about the victims? And why do we pray? What are we praying for? Are we praying for solace? Are we praying for uh, a, a direct alleviation for murder, mayhem? Or are, we, are we praying for the strength to be able to handle it? And why would you think if you're praying for relief, no matter how tenuous it is tied, maybe just for the ability to be able to carry on, if God would intercede and give you the ability to carry on, why would he intercede and ensure that a child isn't taken by by taken down by gun violence. So I've always kind of in my whole adult life classified myself as an agnostic. Like there can't be sure there isn't, you know, that there's a God. There is, you know, you can't really prove it. But I can't prove there isn't. People say, well, that's atheist. No, it's not. Well, you can still believe in a God who's not intimately involved with your life. There's a whole sorts of things that, and religions that uh, begin. There's the ones, the religions that have God intimately involved in our lives, like a parent over a minor child. Watching everything we say, if the child asks for it, they want some food, the God's going to give you food. If you want some protection, God's going to give you protection. God's going to help you get a new pair of shoes and clothes and feed you. Give you shelter. Love you. So, and all you have to do is ask. And behave correctly. Because if you don't behave correctly, then you, you run into it. So there's that one. And then you have a, it's a whole range of different views on God. There's God that's somewhat involved, a parent who kind of works multiple jobs that shows up every so often to provide guidance and to help out, pay the bills, make sure all the dishes are cleaned and no clothes is washed. And then you slide all the way down and have a God that's not involved in our lives. Kind of like one of those people that donate their sperm or eggs. And here, I give you what help you create life. And I create life. And you're on your own. Make your way in the world. And that's it. And then there's people that go all the way and say, well, there's just no God. Well, you don't have to have any of those things or some of those things. And all those things, when that last one I talked about before saying there's no God, that a God that just 
gets the ball rolling, puts life. That's not neglectful. Would you consider someone who planted a tree, who plants trees in order to reforest? Are they neglectful of the earth? No, they're seeding the earth, but they're not there to take care of the trees after the trees are planted. The trees are planted in order to provide reforestation to oxygenate the atmosphere, be a home for birds. Maybe if they flower, uh, you know, provide uh, uh, nourishment for pollinators. All those things don't presuppose that God doesn't love you. So, but it's hard to square the first one. The first one with God that's intimately involved in our lives. And he sheds his grace on some people that ask for it. Sometimes they ask for it, doesn't shine it. I mean, it sounds really kind of, uh, how, how should I put it? Capricious or fickle. That God's going to decide, well, listen, this person gets cancer and they suffer. And they're going to die, or they're going to, you know, they're going to get ill. They're going to get COVID, or they're going to die in gunfire or car accident, things like that. And they have no control over what's going to happen to them. But in that case, people say, "Well, there's the eternal reward." Then you don't get your reward here. You're going to get it afterwards. What does the other person that had a wonderful life? Do they deserve an eternal reward? And did they, what, because they prayed correctly, they got it? They got the reward on earth and they get the reward afterwards? I always thought that intimate God rewarding you after your tribulations here on earth was a way that people that had material wealth or power could say, hey, listen, yeah, I know we're doing really well here, some of us. And some of you are not doing well. Trust me, God loves you. Maybe even more. I mean, that would be like a parent favoring some children over other children, saying, "Hey, listen, once you retire, I'm going to take. I'm going to leave you all my. I'm going to give you the inheritance. The other ones, you're not. They're not going to get it. I don't think that's fair." I don't think that's fair, but I don't. I think it's an incomplete understanding of what it is. You know, it's very easy. To, I mean, it's very easy to say I don't understand religion. Say, let's people say, well, God does this for you know mysterious ways. Well, who wants a mysterious parent? Who needs a mysterious parent? You say, hey, listen, I don't know what's going to happen. When dad comes home, because if he sees that the dishes aren't done, that he's he's going to, he could either not do anything, or he can just rip up the house and kick us, kick our asses out of the house, much like 
in the Old Testament, God, when he flooded the earth. Well, it's much easier to say, hey, listen, God involved. He wants us to do our best. There's going to be some people that are going to do well. Some people won't. In the end, you'll have an opportunity to perhaps move on. But I don't play any favorites. I don't play any favorites and I don't get involved in anybody's life. Just like a parent would when their children become adults. Parents don't run their kids' lives when they're adults, or most parents don't. They're there to observe and see, oh, well, that's nice that you're, it's nice to see you're doing well. But once they leave the house, you don't have any control. So, yeah, when something horrible happens and people start saying, well, how could you let this happen? It's like an accident. Someone, how could you let your house catch on fire? Well, if you, it's like you have a house, you have it set up, and you have a tenant in your house. And if the tenant doesn't take care of the house, the house could burn down. The same thing for like with people acting up, war, pestilence, and things like that. If we really wanted to, we could create a paradise on earth. We could reduce suffering. We have that opportunity. Not, you know, not fight it out among each other, not build nuclear weapons, feed everyone, educate everyone, protect everyone, spend our resources not on huge residences or golf courses or things like that and say, oh, we're going to throw this into cancer research, pediatric cancer research, lung cancer, breast cancer. We're going, to, we're going to do all these things. We have those choices. Just like a, a someone that's running your house, they have the choice whether to take care of the house or not take care of the house. And right now we're not doing a very good job as a renter. We, we're destroying our, it looks like one of those bad renters. And it's going to either we're going to get our act together or eventually we're going to be evicted from the house. We're going to be kicked off of the island like an unceremonious end of a Survivor episode. I know it's kind of a bummer, but I also want to talk about I only have a couple more episodes here left on Spreaker. I'm going to, from now on, these episodes are going to be coming to you uh, probably by midweek from anchor.com. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you probably won't be able to get, you may be able to get the former episodes on Spreaker. But if you do have Spreaker, please uh, pay attention. If you don't see anything, it's not that the show's over. It's going to exist You'll be able to, you just have to get to it another way. It'll be on iTunes, it'll be on Spotify. But, yeah. I just wanted to, I, I just didn't see a lot of growth in the show doing it the way I was 
doing it before just being on Spreaker and they did a great job but I it's time to move on there I'd like to thank you very much and I would like you to have a good day and I'll be back most likely tomorrow bye At Dunkin', we're getting ready for sunnier days with our Sunrise Batch Iced Coffee. A bright and balanced iced coffee with notes of cocoa, tangy sweetness, and toasted nuts. Made to brighten every day a little more. Soak in the sunshine a little more. And fill every moment with a little more, more. Because we aren't just chasing sunsets anymore. We're counting sunrises too. Do more with Dunkin' Sunrise Batch Iced Coffee. Brewed for brighter days. Enjoy a medium for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer.